this morning Got yourself a gun Welcome to the family with Doug Sprinthal And Andy Bernard. A couple of special guests coming up We've Got a big uh, second hour The, what, well, the 100th, 100th. It's our yeah. centennial episode The sure centennial is. episode of Car Selling Secrets we shall be right back, kick things off. Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com. Well, uh, if you listen to the second uh, hour of the podcast, Car Selling Secrets, this is what we're going to be talking about, which is recruiting and hiring and sales positions within Walzer. Uh, should be a, a pretty interesting conversation. If you've ever considered a change in careers and wanted to look at car sales, it's a great opportunity. We, we stopped negotiating car deals 20 years ago, so you don't have to know how to do that. Um, people that have great uh, people skills work really, really well in our system. Bartenders, uh, servers, uh, teachers, so on and so forth. We even hired a few actors and comedians over the years uh, because that's really what it's about is the ability to relate to people. For more information, contact me directly at Doug at Walzer.com. Walzer Automotive Group, Walzer.com. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who've been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know? And that's exactly my question is you have to understand who has the best your best interest in mind correct well you want to know what your rights are you know whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not that's a choice it's a free consultation and you want to understand what your all your rights are and what coverages you have and plus the fact i hang out with you so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if i'm hanging out with you uh, maybe <laughs> uh, okay ladies and gentlemen michael bryant bradshaw and bryant Hello, I'm Brad Huckle, President at North American Banking Company. And I'm Mike Bilski, CEO at North American Banking Company. As a community bank based right here in the Twin Cities, we believe in taking the time to get to know our customers and their businesses. And part of that is hiring and cultivating a team of experienced lenders. When your business banks with us, you're not training in a new inexperienced banker. In fact, our bankers have worked with many of the same customers for years, earning their trust. We get to know you and your business, and you get to know and rely upon us. When your business is looking to capitalize on an opportunity or solve a problem, we'll be here to help you. Tom here. I know Brad and Mike, and I trust that with my banking, they've personally delivered on everything they've just said. So why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, and equal housing lender. Dude, 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 uh, we ready to go? Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, the book, I Ain't Studdin' You, My American Blues Story, Experience Music History, with this memoir by one of the last of the genuine old school blues and R&B legends. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Bobby Rush. How you doing, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for all the things you have done, what you're going to do, what you plan to do. <laughs> See, I could take advice from you after a statement like that. I could start taking advice from you, Bobby. That would be a good thing. 
Well, uh, I can take advice from you. First of all, thank you for doing this, man. You don't have to do this, but I'm glad to talk to you about where I've been and what I'm doing and, and why I did what I did. Bobby, I actually have to do this, and I'll tell you why. Because when I was an 11-year-old kid growing up, I was in a band, and I started doing some singing, and my singing was all what was known at the time as soul music, uh, which, of course, can translate over to, to R&B. And, and Mr. Rush, I'll tell you one thing. I am not a big fan of hip-hop for the very reason you can't even find R&B anymore. It, that, that really makes my heart hurt, Bobby. Yeah, make well. It's, it's a planned thing. It's a planned thing because yep. R and B just like blues because it's wrapped around black people and everybody's always got a plan for black people not to succeed in what they do and what they've done. I'm one of the few people who crossed the road and crossed over, but didn't cross out. And and so blessed to be here. I'm not so good. I'm just so blessed that God allowed me the time and the uh, the. I'm still enthused. Yeah, well, because of, because a man can live a long time without water or food, but you can't live long without hope. I still have hope, and uh, and, and, and believe in people like yourself who believe in the music and who do it and who did it, and uh, you wonder if you guys who still around understand that, you know. I, think I appreciate you, you for that. You maybe. Well, we're getting on a little bit there, Bobby. I will tell you that we're getting on just a little bit because a lot of people go, man, you got to let some R&B through, and they're going like, what's R&B? They don't even know what R&B is. And they certainly well, don't like know. Like I said, it's a plan. It's a plan yeah. to the writers and readers. And, yep. Uh, well, most like the plan to the, the, the people who promote it because people want to talk about R&B and blues less than something else. They do that because black people do. Let's face the fact. Mm-hmm. Well, you're up, you're right about that. I tell you one thing. I got really, really lucky because of my mother, not my father. But I got my voice from my mother. She had a very deep voice, and so all the way going back to 1977, probably it was before that. Actually, it was in the 60s when I sang a lot of you know Temptations and Four Tops and things like that. But then, mm-hmm. then my voice dropped, and I get to I get to do things like say the first part of Kiss and Say Goodbye. I get to do the the narration, which I was very proud of, Bobby. I was very proud yeah. of that. Well, well, well I, I had this kind of low voice, but I kind of wanted the low voice when I was young because it would make me seem grown and big, you know? Sure. Yeah, sure. I could walk and I spoke through the river. Oh, man, I thought I was grown then, man. <laughs> <laughs> For people who might not know what we're talking about, there's a song called Kiss and Say Goodbye. Oh, yeah, man. Come on. That was the doo-wop days, man. Come it on. was. It absolutely was. But but for people who don't know, at the very beginning, there's a guy who comes out and goes, I called you here today for a bit of bad news. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You come out to you. Come. I don't know whether I was a host. Probably, he probably, he or she, whoever, who is the host? He or she? With this, that with this. Who's the other guy with you? Oh, uh, it's a guy. There's Doug Sprinthal okay. and my son Andy is on the show as well with us. Oh, well, he don't know nothing about this do-wop thing. He's too young. <laughs> he is way too young. Maybe That's just true. a little. He does study yeah. music, though. He knows yeah, good music. He, he, he was like I was when I first started. I tell it in this book, but I used to paint my mustache with a crayon. I, I paint with a crayon just so I'm going to push off. I had your own speaker. I don't know how to talk. No problem. Okay. Okay. That is not a problem at all. No, I, to tell you. Wait, wait, truth, wait! You painted your mustache on with a crayon? With a crayon. Well, it wasn't a crayon; it was just like a crayon. It was a match. What I did, I didn't have a marker. I used to strike some big old matches 
and blow them out quickly so it leaves a soot. And I do my oh. magic. And I would paint my mustache and put me a full main shoe on, man. Ooh. I, was, I was about 15 or 16. I could go for 18 years old, man. Oh, this is oh, so you could get into bars and play. Yeah, I'd get into bars and play. In the States, <laughs> two, I could do two playing. Play the guitar, play with the girls. I'll tell you. Yeah. Because yeah, I imagine you wouldn't fool many girls with a... With, uh, the, with the soot mustache? <laughs> soot must fool man, Well, too. You know, it's great. Uh, it's great thing all yeah, the man. way. Uh, is in the middle of this interview. Uh, I love it because Bobby and I have never spoken before. But Bobby did a couple of inner city things just now that I really appreciate because it, it's quite an honor for you to get off the speakerphone and hop on the regular phone. Means oh, these guys aren't the big a holes I thought they might be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is correct. Yeah. Yeah, oh God, I think that's wonderful, Mr. Rush. I think it's fantastic. Uh, well, I think that's 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 the life. That's the uh, extent of my life being being here as long as I am because I I never uh, it's never a big little guy with me because you never know what what you call a little guy where you'll be tomorrow. And then the sm- small places, small town, what they call small people. Someone always said to me, "Well, Bobby Rush, you know I got to entertain it. You you need to be up here." With the big boys, but come on, you know, all the big boys started from a little boy standpoint. That's what makes you big. You start, you start on the ground floor. You don't just, you don't just build a house from the top down. You build it from the, the bottom up. You know. Yes, sir. No doubt about it. Now, I just, I, I was looking at the back of the book. I have your your book. I ain't studying you in my hands. My American blues story. Bobby Rush with Herb Powell, and I saw that uh, that your last birthday. You, you clicked up a little bit. That that's wonderful news. It's, you sound like you're about thirty five years old, Bobby. Well, no, no, thirty seven. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no, Tom, I'm thirty seven. <laughs> no, let me let me tell you what kind of happened with that. Uh, I was born as a midwife. Midwife, uh, my didn't have a doctor. Right. And I they kind of had lost track of my age several times, and and plus I was putting my age up. To uh, get in the clubs, uh, do things that uh, the big boy was doing. So uh, I left my Louisiana in 1947. I was plowing a mule, picking cotton in 1947. So they had three birthdays for me. Somebody come with 1940, some said 1937, some said 1933, some said 1934. So I said to myself, let me take the 1940 because it sounds better. But I couldn't get the 1940, so I wind up getting a passport in 1937. The reason I got the passport in 1937 that's what my aunties and all of them uh, kind of gave me that. But it really 1933, but but I take the 37 because in 1947, I was working in the field. So, you know, I couldn't Ooh. be. Hey, man. But anyway, I take that, man. I take that. You know, I don't care one way or the other. Long as I, I, long as I'm here, you know. No, I, I think Whether it was 1933 or 1934. You know, I think it, it was Satchel Page said, "How old would you be if you didn't know how old you were?" Yeah, there you go. Exactly. <laughs> That's, I like that. I like that. Right. And he did. He didn't know. I, I like like a lot of poor people in the last Wait, century didn't know. I didn't, really know when they were born. I didn't. That's right. Now, I'll be honest with you, I really didn't know. They didn't have. They didn't have a record. You know, they said get closer they could to it. Yep. You know, but I know what I was doing in 1947. 
You know, and, and I was yeah. playing in the band in 1949 and 50, so come on. That's, you know, so within that range, that's why I am. I said, I said, I made a statement. If, if, if I lied about that a little bit or they got it wrong, then I, that's what I come up with. I ain't studying you. If you got that wrong, you're mad about it, I ain't studying you. Yeah, I understand yeah. that completely. Now, I have to ask you a question because of something you just said, and I, one of my great friends who's no longer with us, unfortunately, died several years ago. But I have to ask you, because of something you just did, how much time you spent in Monroe, Louisiana? I spent, uh, you know what? I played Monroe, Louisiana this week, man. <laughs> Honest That's to God. amazing. I, I just played Monroe, man, this weekend. You know how I know you, you, you spent some time in Monroe, Louisiana? How'd you know that, man? Because you just went, uh, 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 I think mm. that's, you did the uh, uh, man. My my friend, he said, uh, uh, hey, Tommy, uh, 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 let's go to the, let's go to the game, Tommy. I love uh, uh, man. It makes me feel good. Oh, man, I just left Monroe, man, two days, two days ago. <laughs> yes, I you saw, did. Yes, I did, man. <laughs> I spent a lot of time in Monroe, man. And Bass Trap, Monroe, which is next door to each other. Well, I tell you, Bobby, no, nothing but good men and good women come from Monroe, Louisiana. That's all I know. Well, I don't know about the good men, but I know a lot of good women. Come from that, you know? <laughs> okay, Bobby. No, 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 no disrespect to you guys, man. You no, know? no, I understand. They, they, they like the Fu Manchu in Monroe. Yeah, Mon- oh, that's oh, right. As a matter that's of fact, right. Andy's wife, uh, Melissa, just got here. So, would you mind telling her about your Fu Manchu mustache? But see if you go for it. <laughs> yeah, us. yeah. Uh, like when, when I was a young kid, I went to Elmo James and a few guys was playing this place. I went to go in this place. I wasn't old enough to go in the place. But if you look like you're old enough, you have to be 18. Look like you're old enough, you can get in the door. I put me a cap on and put it down on my head so they couldn't see how young I look in the face. And I got me so my daddy had, we had this outside house and uh, didn't have a uh, electric fan or anything like that. Nothing electric in the house because we didn't have electric lights. So we would have some big old messes. We would light a fire in the wintertime. And I would strike the four or five of them and blow them out quick so the leader sit on them. Then I would take that and, and paint my mustache. I painted me a full main shoe. Blew up like, I look like a little Spanish cat, man. And, man, I, 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 I said, so look, at that, look at that man with that full main shoe. We're talking about that mustache that goes, goes around up. But anyway, I did that to get in the nightclub. <laughs> and after I got in the nightclub, I was so good at what I was doing. There were a few guys probably knew that I wasn't old enough, but man, I was good at what I was what I was doing. Man, they would say, "Hey, let him, let him, let him rock and roll," you know. <laughs> I think it's a great story. He he painted on and with burnt matchsticks. Oh, yeah. He would blow them out so yeah. soot left in the. Well, we didn't, we didn't we didn't have no crayon to do that, so we <laughs> like match, and we blow it out quickly so we could get some soot. And I do about eight or ten of them like that. Man, I have a lot of soot, man. You know? <laughs> Tell me about Elmore James. For those that are listening, oh, you might God. not know who Elmore James is, but if you listen to the radio for more than three hours, you will hear somebody playing Elmore James licks on slide licks on guitar, even today, 70, 80 years later. What, what kind yeah, of guy was Elmore, he like? Elmore James wasn't the first guitar I know to play the blues. He had a, he had a first cousin, two sisters, uh, children. His name was Boyd Gilmore. Now, Boyd Gilmore said he taught Elmo James how to play the blues. What he did, I'm not. They, they both said that that was the true story about that. Hmm. But Elmo James could play, could play better than Boyd Gilmore. But Boyd Gilmore was the first guy that, uh, that I knew. But anyway, when I went to get a job at the Rabbit Foot, Elmo James was going to 
uh, do the audition also, he and a few other guys. But make a long story short, when he went, went to do the audition, he came out, the two white guys was doing the audition that he was doing the audition for. When he came out, he said, how, you, how did I do? Both of them said, oh, Elmo, you did great, great, great. But when he walked away, I was sitting in the corner listening. He said, man, did you hear that? And he used the N-word. Did oh. you hear that? N-word, man, they, they sound like nothing, man. They, that was, man, to hell with them guys. They ain't playing nothing. But two or three guys went and did the same thing. I was a, afraid to tell him what I did. So he said, hey, boy, what do you do? I said, I, I, said, I do a lot of things. And he said, Sam, come here. Here's a little guy here tonight. He do anything. He he came out and looked at me. I had my little guitar sitting down the side of me. He said, what you do, boy? I said, I do some everything. He said, ha, 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 anything. What is anything you do? So I stood up and did the hand bone. And he said, you hide. He hired me, and then I hired Elmo James in my band. Good for you, man. Good for you. Exactly. Great call. Yeah. And I had Elmo's hand. I made. I called it Bobby Rush and the Four Jivers. Oh, Bobby Rush. Yeah, Bobby Rush and Four Jivers. That was nineteen fifty-one. I was up with a kid. That was the year yeah. I was born. I was, yeah. I was born that year, Bobby. So we we get. You know that man is just talking to you, Doug, uh, on the show here. He's one hell of a guitar player himself. He's being yeah, a little but humble. Let's let's not mention me and Elmore James in the same power, okay? <laughs> you know, oh, oh God! You, oh, you got got to because Elmore not here. We got to mention you now. You you can't carry the stick on, man. Carry <laughs> <laughs> the stick on. No, I so I'm trying to think of some songs that listeners would know. I mean, everybody has copied classic Elmore James licks from. Dwayne Allman to Eric Clapton to Stevie Ray Vaughan. The list just goes on, and you'll hear them today. Yeah, Bonnie, re- Bonnie Ray, yeah, Bonnie Ray, Ray, all yep. of that. Yeah. yeah, but you know what, Bonnie Ray, few people like that, they always get critical of where, where they got their licks from and whole bit. And, and I appreciate that. You got a few guys who give the critic by well. Yeah, no, I think I think that's do. the right thing to do, and not all that's of them right. do it. But Bonnie Raitt certainly is in that club. Incidentally, yeah, yeah, yeah. she recorded her first album in Minnesota in Lake yeah, Minnetonka she when she was nineteen with a local band. Yeah, and, she did. And we all would oh. watch her play and go, you know, I think this girl's gonna go somewhere. Well, yeah, sixty years later, she's doing pretty good. <laughs> yeah, she she's doing good. She, she's a good friend of mine. She she thanks a lot of me, and I appreciate that. You know, the Dick Waterman was used to be involved with her many years ago. He's still around Mississippi, and we've been friends for 48 years, yeah, you she, know, so that's a long time. Just spectacular singer, just the yeah, amount of emotion oh, in her voice. Uh, have a, just, have, and, and, and personality, yeah. can't be beat. I mean, she she got it. She just she just had it, you know. And I appreciate those kind of people who give the credit voice to, you know. Bobby, do you think you're, you're a very, very talented man, a great musician, the whole shooting match? Where did you get your heart? You got a great heart. Is that from your mom, your dad, both? Is from just I think it come from both, but most of my dad, you know, okay. most of my dad. And my yeah. personality on the stage really is who I am. You know, I don't have to put on right. pretend. Right. That's really who I am. I get kicked down a lot because people around me seem to think I'm so uh, low-key. To they don't, I don't get the credit that I do. I guess some people take me for granted. And take it so lightly because I'm so down the earth, you know. Yeah, you and, but, are. Uh, but that's just me. That's just me, you know. But you know, everything that changed remained the same. You know, I used to, uh, uh, and I've changed with some things that I do in my music thing that are how I approach it because things do change uh, on paper, things change off paper, but it really remained the same. 
when I was a kid, we didn't have a electric light. We didn't have an inside toilet. We had to go outside to the toilet. It stinks, look bad, smelled bad, and the whole bit. Now I got nine bathrooms in my house. They smell good. They look good. But guess what? What you do in them, you do the same thing. Did that happen? Change. Yep. So no, what no, you no. do in them haven't changed. So that's what I said. Things have changed, but it still remain the same. I think it's terrific. Now, Bobby, when's the last time you played in Minneapolis, St. Paul, Minnesota? Uh, it's been it's been uh, probably about eight or nine years. I used to play a lot. I, I, I remember I played that. I love place upstairs. I can't think of the name of the place. And Prince came by to see me. Oh, the Blue oh, Saloon. Blue, well, yeah. Excuse me, Blue Saloon and Frogtown? Yeah. Blue Saloon. I used yeah. to play. That yeah, place is, is closed now, but I, I used to I play, played the there Blue for about saloon. six years. And, and the man who owned that had a heart attack about five years ago. I talked to his wife last week. It's, it's a widow. Talked to her last week. Yeah, there was a yeah. young woman that booked that club back in the, probably the late 80s through the 2000s named Mickey Mulvihill, and she oh, was she Mickey, her daddy was my best friend for the last 50 years. Are you kidding? This is a small world, man. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you a Mickey story. So she calls me up and says, I got this guy coming in town from Seattle. I think you'll totally dig him. So this is maybe 90. I don't remember the year. It doesn't matter. So me and about, there's 20 people in that club. And the Blue Saloon was small. When it was wall-to-wall, yeah. it was maybe 150 or 200. Right. So there's 20 of us yeah. in there. The guy's Robert Cray. It's like, holy Ooh, shit. He can play a little bit. And then the next time I saw Robert, he was warming up for Eric Clapton in front of 40,000 people. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Mickey had yeah. a great ear. I saw so many yeah. up-and-coming players and legends like yourself in that club, and I used to play there every Monday for years and years. It was just a fabulous place. Mickey's a good manager. She also had Luke Allison one time. She, yep. you know, she has a lot of people around. Otis Clay and all the people like that. The she, only thing she that just, was tough was... There was no elevator, so if you had a B three player, you had to take him oh, up two yeah. flights of stairs. Yeah. It was just yeah, terrible. You had, to, you had to bring it on a Thursday night to play for Friday because it took you two days to get it upstairs. <laughs> That's exactly. I got a very quick story. Remember that very narrow staircase to get upstairs at the Blue Saloon? Mm-hmm. Remember that, Bobby? Yeah, I, I got to tell you a story before you tell your story. Okay, about that. you got it. You got I had Shirley Brown. Shirley Brown was gonna come up. You know how big Shirley Brown is. Yes, sure. Shirley Brown was gonna come up and that, and her hip oh. got stuck in the elevator. Oh no! In the doorway, where the elevator was, the doorway. She couldn't get up, but we had to push it. We had to push her up. So my drum, so so my drum and bass, bass man was trying to help her up, and she slipped and fell on their face. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. love it. And the guy, the hot dog was with me. He said, come get the woman off my face. I can't hear the radio play. <laughs> <laughs> Bobby, that same oh, stairway you're talking about, this friend of mine who was who I worked with uh, doing some voiceover and all that, he, he, he was not a city kid. He was not from the city. And he said, hey, next time you go to Blue Saloon, can I go over there with you? And I said, well, you can go over there with me, but you're going to have to follow my lead because you can't act however you want. If you're going to go to the Blue Saloon, you, you got to follow, you, you got to be polite and let the, everything go, right? So yeah. he goes, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. I'll, yeah, I, I'll, I'll behave, no, no problem. I said, just make sure you just keep to yourself. He goes, yeah, okay. We're going up that narrow stairway. He's in front of me. And the guy coming downstairs is about probably 6'3", six, 6'4", six, probably weighs about 240. Big man. Big, big man. As he's coming down and my friend's going up, my friend looks at him and says, and I'm going, no, no. He looks at the guy and says, 
How you doing, babe? That guy picked him up, pinned him up against the wall, said, would you call me? (laughs) (laughs) And I said, sir, uh, 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 I'm his uh, representative, and I'd just like to tell you, he doesn't, he's not from around here. Let me put it that way. He don't know anybody, you know. Oh, God, no. He was about to get snapped in half, I'll tell you. That. Oh, God. Call babe. Call uh, me babe. You yeah, don't be calling me babe. Now, Bobby, yeah, I, yeah, I will tell yeah. you that uh, even though that place is closed, they reopened under the same name about pretty, probably four or five miles away on Rice Street. So that club is back in action. They're not, Rice Street. They're not booking national acts right now, but it's uh, it's actually a nicer room. It's a lot more... There's a lot more space in it, and you don't have to, you know, take your life in your hands walking up the stairs. <laughs> oh man, <clears throat> yeah, I, I was I worked in Indianapolis for at least thirty years or so, off and on for about thirty thirty five years. God, <clears throat> a, a, and I I wouldn't I didn't know Prince at that time. I didn't know him at all. Mm-hmm. And someone said, "Well, Prince in the house." It didn't mean it didn't mean a thing to me then because I didn't know Prince. And I, uh, he did what I was doing, man. And I, uh, so I look back on the after the after the fact after I got to know who he was and how brilliant he was as a, as a entertainer. If he liked his Bobby Rush, that was a plus. I didn't take advantage of it because I didn't know who he was. That's so amazing. After the fact, you know, hell of a talent. There's no doubt about that. One one hell oh, of a talent. Oh man, this one one hell of a good guy, man. You know? He was indeed. Well, let me. Let me let me tell you about this book. Why love why to hear, I did this book. love to hear it. I did this book because I want people to not to feel sorry for me. I want people to to listen to what I'm saying in the book and take a lesson from it because especially the black entertainers who came through the same hardship that I came through and some of them even come through worse hardship mm-hmm. that I come through. I want them to take from me for what I did and where I come from. If I can make it, you can too. That's the attitude that I have about the book. And that's why I want you to come away after reading this book, you know. Not to try to tell people that I had these hard times and up and down because uh, there's so many things I tell in the book that, that breaks my heart. But even if it broke my heart, I got up and licked my wounds, and now here I am. And I want you to do, do the same thing. And, I, and I'm not, not just talking to black people about it, but I'm talking to them especially because they seem to be the ones that had the hardship about the music scene. Yeah. That's what I was about. You know, I had so many ups and downs. I had so many things that, 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 that come my way that it wouldn't follow me or that it wasn't designed for me. point I'm getting to is that Back 60 years ago, could be a little less or a little more, they invented a wah-wah so the white guy could sound like the black guy. <laughs> now, you, now, now you got black guys buying all the wah-wah trying to sound like a black guy who's trying to sound black. <laughs> you know, they, they, they don't want to sound like the white guy. He's trying to sound black, you know. So so I, I, I take my hat off to... Uh, uh, the guys who are holding the blues and keeping it in line because the blues is a mother of, of all music. Yep. And if you don't like the blues, you probably don't like your mama. <laughs> I got to write that one down. <laughs> we're right now. We're going to use that one, Bobby. There's no doubt about it. I'm, I'm very, very happy that you said that because 
I think there are a lot of people that don't understand that, that there are in, inner city people, poor people, black people, white people, almost everyone. Because I've said that same thing you just said on the air. Look, man, if I can make it, anybody can make it. That's what I'm talking about. No, That's you, what this book about. You're Thank 100% you. right on the money. I couldn't agree more. I've said it many times myself. If, and But a lot of guys... Again, black, white people, you know, the, uh, poor people, inner city people, they really do. And I really do believe that if I could make it without no high school education, I went to college for one day, but I made it anyway. And if I could do that, then anybody could do it. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I tell in the book about how my daddy take me out of school, out of 10 kids in school, my sister and brother, 10 of us. Mm-hmm. He taking me out of school and said, "Listen, I, Junior, I'm named after my father." He said, "I want you to get out of school and, and help me with the other kids and put them in school." Oh, sure. I'm the se- I'm the seventh child. He want me to quit school so I can help the other kids go to school. I thought that was something that big. I was, "Oh, my daddy gonna let me stay out of school so I can help him." But man, I had to help him. What he gave me a job with a E. L. Burgess was his name. I was making three dollars a week for E.L. Burgess, <laughs> and I, and he said, "You came, you won't make but three dollars a week, but that three dollars a week could give me a lot of advantage by having the, uh by letting me know what they're doing." He didn't have to say anything to me, other than that. Now the average person wouldn't understand that. My daddy was a preacher and pastor of a church. I understood well as a biblical study, not as a blues thing, as a biblical study, what he was talking about. He wanted me to go into gin and listen to the white people talk about the Dow Jones, because black people didn't know anything about Dow Jones. But Dow Jones was when the cotton going to sell, how much it's going to sell, what the bean was going to sell, how many watermelon you could sell, what the price of them, and the whole so on and so on. And I would get that information. And I was a little boy that they didn't pay attention to. I had a rag in one pocket and some sand in another pocket. I would throw some sand around the white guy's feet so I could wipe the shoes off while they were talking. I would get the information. My dad had been Martin Luther King of the neighborhood who had the church. Love it. He would get all the black people together on a Sunday morning at 9.30 for Sunday school. Sunday school wasn't for 10.30, but he had to come in at 9.30. He'd give them information, what to sell, what not to sell for my information. Because I had the information, what they were going to sell. And sometimes they would sell, we go sell a peanuts for uh, $2 a bushel, and we got to keep it down. They would use the N-words because them N-words still got a lot of peanuts in their field. They wouldn't uh, sell them uh, any higher until that wasn't on to sell. Then the price would go up. So my daddy got in a lot of trouble because he had uh, 14 or 15 brothers and about the same thing and sisters. And we would bury cotton in the ground in October, November, December, and come January, we'll dig it up when the price go up. So my daddy got in trouble. So, what are these black people getting all this cotton in January when the price is up? They were buried in the ground for my information. Because I, <laughs> I had the information when the price was going up or going down. You know? So those, those are the kind of things that I talk, talk about in this book, how you can survive by sometimes being in the right place. But you can also survive by saying something when it's time to say you can also survive by knowing what not to say when it's not when it's time not to talk god i wish people had learned that today bobby i really do i wish people would learn it's time to talk but it's not time to talk right now 
<laughs> yeah, you, you know, you know it, because it, being a musician and a blues singer and a black man at that, you know, uh, I don't want to talk about black and white issues all the time, but right. I do realize that because of being a black man, because a foot been on my neck for 80 some odd years, not just Floyd, you know. I right. understand right. that they broke, he kind of uh, made everybody think about it because I've been through my ups, my downs, my down was when I couldn't make any money as a child, didn't have a job. Then when Martin Luther King started marching, I had my little uphill strokes and I was going to get better. But then when he got killed, uh, things went the other way with me. Then when Floyd got killed, it went down. But when black, white people started marching with black people, I was enthused again. Uh, but, there, but then uh, I would probably would have wrote something different in this book if I had just waited another few a year or so later, when I saw what happened in the White House, that made me think that I would have wrote something about that. But uh, but the book was out by that time, so next time around, I'll write about that. How did the book come together? Herb not, Herb, did Herb Powell come to you? Did you go to Herb and say, we got to do this? How did the book get written? Someone was trying to do me this book for the last 25 or 30 years. Okay. I didn't want to do it because I didn't want to tell the story that I have to tell on people that it may hurt. I did tell a couple, uh, st- one story that I'm talking about in the book that's going to hurt. It's going to hurt Willie Dixon's kids oh. because Willie Dixon was a writer who wrote that he said he wrote for many guys he did not write for. I'm pro- I'm one of the ones who know that and myself and but a guy because how are you going to write for a guy who couldn't read or write? So he got credit for a lot of things he did for Muddy Waters' kids. Now Muddy Waters' kids not getting a lot of the raw that they should be getting for oh. what their daddy wrote. But Willie Dixon grandkids and great-grandkids getting money for something he didn't write. Mm-hmm. So it's unfair to the children. Mm-hmm. It's unfair to the Howlin' Wolf kids for some of the things that Howlin' Wolf wrote, but Willie Dixon got the credit for. So I'm just telling the story about that. You, you follow me? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, of course, that's just one story. It's so many, so many things. And, um, and, and, and the truth of the matter, and I told the truth about Everything in the book. Maybe one thing I didn't tell the truth about. I said I went to sleep with a fat woman no more. I lied about that part. <laughs> the big lie, Bobby. It was a big old lie. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Oh, Rush, baby. you got to come back to Minnesota. What an honor to have you on the show. I ain't studying you my American blue story. Bobby Rush with Herb Powell. It's available everywhere. Give me I know. that book. I'm going to read it. There you go. There you, go. you should read that book. Yeah, you got to read this book, man. It's, it's, going, it's enlightening your life and uh, make a young man out of you, it probably, you know, you have to, your wife probably won't like it because she'd probably get pregnant again. <laughs> yeah, she would definitely not like that. She says yeah. to me routinely, get that thing away from me. I don't know where it's been. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't have a Fu Manchu. Yeah, no, that's right. That's right. You don't have one. Well, he'll get but one by let, the time. Let me, let me say before we get off, let yes, me thank sir. you guys for what you have done, what you've done, what you plan to do. Because my motto is now with this little life that I have left, to do all I can why I can when there come a time I can't do I won't regret what I did not do yeah very true you gotta come back soon Mr. Rush I'd love to have you on again thank you very much thank you you know I I, I had a little interview to do with Germany I thought you guys was the German people were calling me so I'm going to Bismarck and December so I got a thing to do with them later on today well I could do a German accent maybe I could work on it for you oh okay you, you, you know some things in Germany not, how you, how you said pretty girl, pretty girl in Germany, you know? My mother. 
Talk to you later, Mr. Rush. Thank you, sir. Thank you, man. Appreciate you guys. Appreciate you. Bye-bye. Bobby Rush, ladies and gentlemen. Man, I'm glad we hung in there. This is a third try to interview this guy. 87 years old. Well worth it. That was a treat. Wow. He was just phenomenal. But as soon as he went, uh, 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 oh, Monroe, Louisiana. I've been there. <laughs> he was there last week. <laughs> He's there last that's some good week. Years. Yeah, that's, that's hilarious. It is interesting. He also did, the, the, you know, you look at the picture and he's doing this. Yeah. It's, he's giving a little hand signal, say, hey, we're all winners, man. Yeah. Don't worry about it. He's just a great guy. Bobby Rush. The book is called I Ain't Studdin' Ya, S-T-U-D-D-I-N. And I ain't, I ain't Bullshit is basically what he's saying. Well, no one ever uh, accused German of being a pretty language. Because pretty girl, let's see. Let's have Google Translate pronounce this for us. Here we go. Hübsches Mädchen. Hübsches Mädchen. Hübsches Mädchen, Doug. It's a very... My wife and I were talking about that last night. She said the worst, the two worst sounding languages is... Cantonese? Indian, uh, not, you know, Indian and German. And we were talking about, remember the, was it the Dana Carvey show where Steve yeah. Carell and, yep. uh, what's his name, Colbert yep. were doing Germans say nice things. Yep. And they're I just yelling that. at everybody. Hello, oh, grandmother! I don't know what to say <laughs> Ooh, we got to take a break. We only got about yeah, 10 minutes. Yeah, we kind of do. Got to tell you, about 10 minutes left in this whole hour. Yeah. But I, hey, Bobby Rush, what a thrill of my life to talk to Bobby Rush. Yeah, that was great. We will talk to you in just a couple of minutes with the family. As you know, my friend Mike Lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of your life. He didn't stop by simply creating the best pillow. Mike created the new Giza Dream bed sheets. They look and feel great, which means an even better night's sleep for me, which is crucial for my busy schedule. Mike found the world's best cotton called Giza. It's ultra soft and breathable, but extremely durable. Mike's Giza sheets come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. The first night you sleep on the Giza sheets, you will never want to sleep on anything else. Giza Dream sheets come in a variety of sizes and colors. Mike's making a special offer for my listeners. You buy one set, get another set absolutely free. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square, and use promo code TOM. There you'll find not only this amazing offer, but also deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the MyPillow mattress topper, MyPillow towel sets, and so much more. Call 1-800-516-5146. Use the promo code TOM. Go to MyPillow.com. Make sure you use the promo code TOM. Dan Chesky is here from Dan Southside Marine to talk boats in February. 2021 is all about boat inventory or the lack thereof. Dan's has what you're looking for in the color and model you want. So get in and take advantage of the factory incentives and discounts February offers. Why should our listeners shop for a fishing boat at Dan Southside Marine? We have the latest models on display, like the new Revolution. It features rotational seating from Premier Marine. And the new Lumacraft FSX crossover fish and ski. Both are getting tons of attention and grabbing sales from the competition. Dan Southside Marine is packed with pontoons from Avalon, Berkshire, and Premier with all the rebates and incentives we mentioned at the top. Get the family out this weekend and come see these amazing pontoons. And be sure to ask about custom-rigged Alumacraft fishing boats this weekend at Dan Southside Marine during our February open house. Dan Southside Marine, six blocks west of 35W on 98th Street in Bloomington. Shop online at dansouthsidemarine.com. There are definitely things to avoid during a Minnesota winter, like licking a flagpole 
are waiting too long to replace that car battery. But number one on the list is taking a chance on your furnace. Hey, Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning, reminding you that a furnace clean and tune will improve efficiency, reliability, and peace of mind. Or maybe it's time to take advantage of Sabre's rebates and upgrade to an energy-efficient Bryant system. Don't take chances on your comfort. Visit SabreHeating.com. Sabre and Bryant, whatever it takes. We are back. Thank you again so much to Bobby Rush, one of the greats of all time. Bobby Rush, I Ain't Studdin' Ya. The book is available everywhere. And we got about, what do we got about, well, how many minutes? We got about, not even 10 minutes, do we, Andy? We'll just uh, screw around for a while. Yeah, yeah we got. I mean, we, we do. We have, we have 11 minutes. Yeah, that's about right. So that'll be good. We have an 11 minutes because uh, he went uh, yeah. Charlie he went in Albuquerque says he would like to have heard the story of Bobby's first car. So too bad he couldn't stay. <laughs> yeah, on. Bobby. Bobby Rush's first car. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to do that. Well, Tommy, it was a Cadillac with zebra stripe interior, <laughs> right. and well, God, he was born in. I stole what, it like from the, Howlin' Wolf. He was born yeah. in the '40s. No, he's born in the '30s. '30s. So the 30s. It, it would probably. Have, I mean, there's not a whole lot of options. Well, if he's back still then. picking cotton in 1947. He doesn't have a car. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, that's true. true. He didn't get a. He didn't get a ride until he started. You know, making money. It was probably in the mid '50s. Let's I would say. Yeah. Bobby Rush was born in '33, so he would have been. Well, they're not. Re- I mean, that's what he was talking about. It's not. They just sort of. They threw it at him. Yeah. Here, you were born in '33. <laughs> oh. I don't know. I mean, he. Uh, God, remember. You don't think he was born in 33? Well, there no. was literally a five-minute conversation about when he was born in the interview. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Andy was busy. I was busy. I'm yeah, sure he was. Doing something. One of my favorite Archie Bunker references of all time, and if he just said it now, boy, would they, CBS would be in huge trouble. His next-door neighbor, Lionel. Remember Lionel? Sure. Black next-door neighbor came over. He goes, Archie, I just want to come over and tell you, got a got a brand-new car, man. And Archie looks at him and says, and I quote, what is it, a purple Cadillac with zebra interior? That's like, oh, my God. You, you want to hear something that would never get played today? Somebody posted this the other oh, day. Andy, yeah. can you find the theme, the opening theme, theme song for F Troop? It should oh, be really easy the to Native find. American Oh, just the whole, listen the to whole it, thing. the whole thing. Just, you know where they got Hakawi from, right? I do. But you know where what it originally was. Well, it's a joke. I know, but do you know the original word? It was not Hakawi. I know, it started with an F. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Where the Hakawi? Yep. There you go. Listen to these lyrics. was a funny show, though. It was pretty good, actually. That show was very, very fun. Was that was that Ken? 
Yeah, I can't remember what the his hell name. was his name. Can't remember his name. See his face, but can't remember his name. Ken and the Indians were all old Jewish guys. They were. They were old Jewish guys. Ken Berry. Ken, Ken, Ken Berry. That's, right. that's exactly who it was. Ken Berry. But yeah, you're right. All of the Native Americans were old Jewish men. And, and I was six to nine when I watched that, yeah. so I didn't get that until I watched it later. I'm like, oh my god, this is hysterical. Well, the chief would come over and go, "So new." Yeah. Like, what, so what? what's going on? What's going on with you? How you doing? Let's see. Their chief was Frank Decova, which is. Uh... Oh, that's Freddie Decova's brother. Is it? Is it really? Well, I, I believe so. Yeah, Freddie Decova's brother. Well, maybe he wasn't Jewish. I don't know. Well, well Decova sounds uh, like Italian. Dutch or something. Yeah. Is it? I think you might. Well, it thought, depends on how I it's spelled, like, I guess. Yeah, it does. That's Freddie Decova's brother. So those that don't know, Freddie was the producer of Johnny Carson's Johnny Johnny Night Show. Johnny Carson Show. And the chief's assistant, Crazy Cat, yeah. <laughs> was Don Diamond. So for those uh, Little Feet fans, uh, Lowell George, the leader of Little Feet, does a cameo appearance in an F Troop episode. They're They're... He's like the leader of this hippie band. That they oh, that's right. to write him into the show somehow. I love <laughs> I loved Little Feet. Oh, my, one of my favorite groups. Red Streamliner. What a great yep. song that is, man. What a wonderful. What They, they had a semi-hit, but I can't remember the name. Well, Dixie Chicken probably would have been yeah, their Dixie most Chicken, famous true. song. That's true. But they were never, you know, like the Grateful Dead, they never had top ten charting no, hits. But, no, not at all. But they had a huge following, and especially among musicians, because they were just cool. Yeah, they were very, very cool people. Not about, you know. I tell you what, I, people talk about how the world sucks and everything sucks, and you know, in India now they got all these problems going on because they got a big battle going there now. Mm-hmm. And now in Soweto they're killing each other and robbing and looting, and of course they're killing the leader of Haiti and they're rioting in Cuba and they're rioting in America. But to tell you the truth, as I said, having Kostaki in studio last week was very welcome. Uh, we had yesterday, Mike Brody was in the studio. Great to he see sucks. comedians. In. <laughs> so, yeah, there you go. Having those guys in studio now is wonderful. And then having a guy like Bobby Rush come on and just open it up, being very, very honest. But that is very true. A lot of guys I grew up with, not all of them, of course, because some were psychopaths. But they have these great hearts. They just want you. It's yeah. like, look, if I can do this, so can you. There, a lot of them are really good people. And that's the thing that pisses me off about white people are all racist thing. You want to leave the poor out of it because I, you know, they they suffer as much as anybody else on earth. They get treated like dirt just like everybody else. Not to say, you know, uh, I'm not forgiving anybody or letting anybody off the hook here, but poor white people are getting their ass handed to them because of this attitude of the people from Whispering Meadows. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It just, it, it's just, it's not a good thought. It just is not nice to... to uh, Set aside a whole group of people and say, oh, they're all horrible. Well, I like the fact that he wasn't pulling any punches. I don't know if everybody knows who Willie Dixon is, but he's a giant in yeah. the blues world. He wrote some, well, actually, the very first or song I learned to play on guitar was a song, Willie Dixon song called Spoonful. I didn't know he wrote it at the time because I was listening to Cream. But to, for a guy, for Bobby Rush to go after Willie Dixon, that means he's, you know, yeah. doesn't care. If it's yeah. bullshit, it's bullshit. Well, speaking of people with good hearts... Joe from Louisville is one of them. Has he got a good heart for three minutes? Because that's all. Yeah, that's about got. all you got. So you got about four minutes for you, Joe. What's up? Okay. Uh, well, I thought I'd call up and uh, congratulate Doug on a hundred episodes of the show. Very nice. Yeah, thank but you, Joe. That it is. They're quite welcome. 
Um, yeah, uh, I was listening to you guys talk about Cuba. I think the United States should get to the next Cuba. You think? You know, we're 90 miles off the coast. We can use another colony. Just take it over? Last time we tried that, it didn't work yeah. too well. Uh, times have changed. You know what's amazing about true. that? Those Cubans tend to be very, very conservative, too. And a lot of people, that that's causing a lot of problems in Washington, D.C., because Cubans tend to be very conservative people. They're not liberal at all. Well, no, you're exactly right. And it's yeah. kind of it's interesting because the governor passed that law that was really to, to keep BLM protests in check, saying you can't block highways and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. And now there's all these pro-Cuba <laughs> protests doing exactly <laughs> right, the same exactly thing the in same Miami thing. and Orlando. And he's like, well, uh, we, we didn't really I, uh, mean it. Uh, gosh, <laughs> like, I, uh, we... Uh, I just wish these politicians were held accountable for their lies on a daily basis. I mean, for that Jen Psaki to go on national television and say the Cubans were rioting because they couldn't get the COVID vaccine. Come on, really? It's the lamest statement. That's I've ever the only problem time. Cubans have. Yeah, they don't have it. They're making ten dollars. Everything a month else is great. Don't pay any attention, please. Making the ten bucks a month, but that's the biggest problem they got is the fact that they can't. Uh, I don't know. I we loved them. Catherine and I were in Cuba three years ago. Loved the people. They could not have been nicer. Very very pleasant people. Just happy to see you. And that one guy came over. He goes, "You're from America. You're from America." I said, "Yeah, we're from America." He goes, "I want you to bring this home with you, and you tell them because." Uh, was it Rafael Castro? Mm-hmm. Rafael Castro was in power at the time. He goes, you tell them that our president is a great man. He allowed me to get another job. How great is that? He allowed me to work two jobs. <laughs> okay, well. Never hear an American say that ever. Uh, no, you're never going to hear an American say that. For a number of reasons. Yeah, that's very, very true. So, Doug. Yeah. You've been watching, paying attention to baseball at all. No. I haven't either. Ah. I, I'll start watching now. The All Star Game's over. I always, I, I, it's such a long season. Yeah, so no, I haven't. I'm not been paying season. attention. At all. And to make it worse, the Twins are generally terrible. Every once in a while, they'll string a four game streak together, but then they just sort of disintegrate. True. Right. I was watching the All Star Game. They think the Boston Red Sox may have a may have a chance again this year at the uh, World Series. Yep. We'll see. This is the so time to start if watching. You pay attention to email when I send you a link to the bat this time. Okay. Yeah. Well, Doug's email has been not working great. It hasn't. Remember, you've tr- you've been trying to send me things. For oh, MP3 sometimes gets stuck for some reason coming out of walls, or I don't know what. You're a disaster. Yeah. The firewall and the uh, the corporate email is yeah, not so good. All right, we got to take a break here, Joe. I appreciate your call. You have one another statement. You got about thirty seconds, Pally. I was just going to say, I can find them on LinkedIn, Twitter, anywhere else to send them an email. All right, there you go. We'll get her done. Thanks, Joe. Have a good day, sir. We will be right back. Car selling secrets coming up in just a couple of number one hundred.